Well, good morning, Emmanuel Bible Church. Good to sing with you this morning. Appreciate our musicians leading us in music. Appreciate the new song. I trust that in a few months we'll know the words of that song well enough to sing it without the prompts. But appreciate the message and music this morning and glad to sing with you. Uh, again, my name is Pastor Mark Hazen. Glad to be leading you in the Word of God this morning. If you have your Bibles with you, I'd encourage you to take them out and turn with me to the book of the Song of Solomon. The Song of Solomon. So Job, Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, Song of Solomon is where you'll find this little short eight-chapter book in the Old Testament. Last week, as we gathered together, we kicked off a series of messages from the Song of Solomon. And we noticed that this book is a song. It's a song, a chart-topping song. And it's a song on the theme of love and romance between a man and woman who are committed to one another and who belong to one another. Uh, we read the opening paragraph of chapter one and the opening paragraph of this song, and we noticed that there were five themes there, uh, five themes that I'm going to develop throughout this series. The five themes are chemistry, they're all C's, chemistry, character, commitment, consummation, and celebration. Those are the, the themes that I find in that opening paragraph of the song. Chemistry, character, commitment, consummation, and celebration. Uh, together last Sunday morning, as we read through the opening two chapters of the song, we took notice of the woman and the man singing to one another, and as they sing to one another, they express their attraction and their desires for one another. Clearly, they are drawn to one another. There's chemistry there, and they let those desires be known. As they express their attraction and their desire, the compliments just kind of roll off their lips and become a reciprocal buildup of appreciation and affection. In the song, she downplays her attractiveness. And he calls her the most beautiful woman he's ever laid eyes on. Uh, she calls herself just a common wildflower, a lily in the valley among all the other lilies. And he says she's a standout flower among the brambles. When he calls her a standout flower, she calls him a standout tree, a real treasure, a real find in the forest of unfriendly trees. Her man is fruitful and refreshing and replenishing and she finds security under his banner of love in the wilderness of other men. In, her, in his security, or in his shadow, she is safe. We notice the song begins with the women expressing a desire to be kissed, and she gets far more than she asked for. She receives repeated compliments on her beauty, the pursuit of her lover with multiple expressions to come away, and she experiences the physical pleasure of physical intimacy with her beloved. Physical intimacy that God created and designed for pleasure and for making people one. You know, last week we commented briefly at the beginning of the sermon about modern music and modern movies. They communicate that physical intimacy or sex is simply for the fulfillment of desire and attraction. You meet one another, you're attracted, you're desirous of one another, well then hit the sack. And it goes there immediately. Well, the Bible reveals a far greater agenda we come to understand not only from the Song of Solomon, but from the opening chapters of Genesis and other books, that God created and designed sex for a much higher purpose. It's for welding two people into a singular, secure relationship of unity, harmony, security, and oneness. And it's for a deepening relationship that is pleasurable to the couple and is a blessing to the rest of humanity. It's celebrated. And uh, we'll see that play out again this morning. So physical intimacy, this, this song is about romance and love and physical intimacy. Physical intimacy is for pleasure and procreation and for protection. And this song celebrates what God intended in the very beginning. 
Well, last week we, we noticed the, the first C was chemistry, and we gave a little attention to the mystery of chemistry, that attraction or that energy that gets the relationship started. Chemistry is that strange, mysterious, immeasurable quality of noticing one another, and noticing one another with an intrigued interest, which drives the relationship forward. Without chemistry, there's no continuation. Uh, chemistry drives people to want to spend time together, to get to know one another better. Uh, chemistry is powerful, it's important, it's good, it's God-given, but we also said last week that it should be guarded and guided and God-directed. Passion is strong. Paul would say it would have to be there for even the couple to, to come together. Passion is strong. The passion that results in the pursuit of another person should be toward the right kind of person, a person of good character, and that's where we're going this morning. And uh, so that's kind of an introduction from where we were last week. Let's have a, a brief moment of prayer, and then we'll jump. I've had you turn into the Song of Solomon. Go to chapter 3. We're ultimately going to read chapter 3 and 4 this morning as part of our time together in God's Word. But let's, uh, let's pray as we begin. Heavenly Father, we now turn to the Scripture. We pray that as we read it, that you would teach us, that you would give us wisdom that you intended for us, for our flourishing, for our good, and for your glory. And so for this we ask, give us an attentive heart, an attentive mind, that we might focus on your word and learn from you this morning. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen. All right, Song of Solomon chapter 3 is where we are in the song, and it begins by this, saying this, on my bed by night, I sought out him whom my soul loves. This is the, the, the beloved, this is the girl singing, and uh, she, she seeks him out, I sought him but found him not. I'm going to pause here for just a moment, and I want to point out that this is a dream. This is a dream in the song. And this is dream number one of two dreams that will show up in the song. The second dream will show up in chapter five. Well, let's, let's see how this dream plays out. Back in verse one, on my bed by night, I sought him whom my soul loves. I sought him but found him not, distressing. I will rise now and go about the city. In the streets and in the squares, I will seek him whom my soul loves. I sought him but found him not. This is turning out to be a bad dream. The watchmen found me as they went about in the city. Have you seen him whom my soul loves? Scarcely had I passed them when I found him whom my soul loves. I held him and would not let him go until I had brought him into my mother's house and into the chamber of her who conceived me. I adjure you, O daughters of Jerusalem, by the gazelles or the does of the field, that you not stir up or awaken love until it pleases. So the woman in the song is having a bad dream about being separated from her man. In the dream, she moves from the comfort and safety of her bed, and she goes out and makes a diligent search for her man. She pursues him, and when she finds him, she holds him, and she brings him home to her mother's chambers which is an interesting location. Her mother's chambers where she was conceived, and we know how babies were conceived. So in chapter one, he notices her and brings her into his chambers, the king's chambers, and here in this context, she brings him home to her mother's chambers. And again, the imagination takes you to the physical intimacy that is enjoyed there between them. So this is a dream. And the upshot of her dream is the distress of separation, the desire for togetherness, and then on her part, the risk and the pursuit and the find, and then the consensual pleasures experience 
the physical intimacy that she sings is worth waiting for. This worthy pursuit, she pursues her man and finds him and brings him home. This worthy pursuit and then this consensual blessing is immediately contrasted in the song and possibly still in the dream with the arrival of Solomon. He's where the song goes next. And as we read where the song goes next, we discover that Solomon is not worth pursuing. He gains his women not through wooing them and winning them, but through power and coercion. So let's read on. Verse 6. What is this coming up from the wilderness? That's the same expression that's found in chapter 8, verse 5, which really says, who is this? But what is this coming up from the wilderness like columns of smoke kicking up dust, perfumed with myrrh and frankincense with all the fragrant powders of a merchant? In other, in other words, this guy smells like the Watkins man. Any of you remember the Watkins man? Behold, it is the litter of Solomon. Around it are 60 mighty men some of the mighty men of Israel, all of them wearing swords and experts in war with his sword at his thigh against terror by night. This is scary. King Solomon made himself a carriage from the wood of Lebanon. He made its post of silver. He made its back of gold, its seats of purple. Its interior was inlaid with love by the daughters of Jerusalem. Go out, O daughters of Zion, and look upon King Solomon with his crowned head, which with his mother crowned him on the day of his wedding, on the day of the gladness of his heart. So here the song continues. And Solomon, this mighty man, is kicking up dust when he comes to town. He's wealthy, he's popular, everyone knows him, and he's powerful, but he is not a real find. He is not a real catch. He's not like the man in her dreams He's not that, that she pursues. He's not like the tree in the forest that is fruitful and replenishing. Only foolish girls would want to be a part of his harem. Solomon is known for his direct disobedience to what God commanded for kings. He's not a man of good character. Solomon, we know, had 700 wives and 300 concubines. We can't imagine that. A thousand women. He has 700 wives, 300 concubines, and how does he gain his women? We know how he gains his women. The scripture tells us how he gains his women. He gains his women through political alliances, through economic treaties, through selfish desires, through power and coercion. With Solomon, there is no wooing, there is no winning a precious flower. No, there is just power and position to take what he wants. And all the protection around him, these mighty men with swords, all this protection around him that keep people at a distance, also keep people on the inside from getting out. It's a barrier both ways. The women who are in a relationship with Solomon, they're not there there freely. They didn't choose to be there. They're trapped. They're caught in a bad relationship with a person who is lacking in good character. And that's a real bummer. The focus on this part of the song is on power and possessions and opulence and observation. Go out and look at Solomon. It's not on love and simplicity and reciprocal praise and invitations 
and enjoyment. Solomon, he might be eye candy. The, the bride says to her virgin bridesmaids, you know, go out and look at Solomon. He might be eye candy, someone really to look at, someone wealthy and powerful and handsome and great, but he's no treasure to bring home to mom. You don't bring him home to your mother's chambers. That, that's not, that doesn't happen. He might have lots of treasures, but he's no treasure. He's a contrast to what the song is about, about the love between the shepherd, the beloved, and his bride. If you remember the girl's beloved man that she seeks out in her dreams, if you go back to chapter one, we, we notice that this, uh, this man, he has a good name. His name is Oil Poured Out. Uh, you remember Psalms 23 about oil being poured on your head? That's a blessing. And, and this, this man whom she seeks out in her dreams, the one that she, she loves, he has a good name. He has an excellent reputation. He is highly esteemed by others. If you go back to chapter one, her bridesmaids know that he's a real catch. They would love to have him. They recognize he's the man, a man worth pursuing, a man worth having, a real catch. Now, now, here's something important here, particularly for those who are not married, for those who um, may be in a relationship where there's a lot of attraction and desire and chemistry is there that leads toward, you know, getting to know one another, getting to know their character. But, but chemistry is a powerful thing. Attraction and passion is a powerful thing, and our culture leads that quickly to areas where it should not go, past character. Here's the point I want to bring up. Parents and peers are a great protection in this matter of chemistry and character, which leads toward commitment. Chemistry is exciting. It's exhilarating, but it's also bewildering and confusing. And family and friends can see with greater clarity at a time when clarity is desperately needed. Here's the point. If you can't bring your boyfriend or girlfriend home to mom and your friends are throwing up red flags, you ought to seriously pump the brakes because they're seeing something you're not seeing. Parents and peers are a great protection. This girl can bring her man home to mom's chambers with approval and her friends are like, that's a great man right there. He's got a great name, great reputation. You've got a real catch there. So parents and peers are a great protection. In the matter of love and romance, you don't want to be trapped in a bad relationship. And it happens all the time. Particularly when chemistry throws you all the way past commitment <laughs> and into consummation. It's not celebrated. Well, let's look where the song goes next. Starts with a dream. Gives us a contrast in Solomon. Uh, we discover that Solomon is not a man who is uh, admirable by her. We'll find that in chapter 8. She does not admire Solomon. She refuses his offer, if you will. But the man in the song, who the song is about, he certainly admires his woman. And that's where the song takes us. Look at chapter 4. Here's the man singing to his, love, his beloved, Behold, you are beautiful, my love. We're back in these reciprocal praises and affirmations. Behold, you are beautiful, your eyes are doves behind your veil. Your hair is like a flock of goats leaping down the slopes of Gilead. Your teeth are like a flock of shorn sheep that have come up from the washing, which all of them bear twins. Not one of them has lost its young. That's nice. You have a full set of teeth. <laughs> These are not necessarily compliments you'll want to give to your beloved. 
They were big then. They were meaningful in that context, but not for us. He goes on, though, mentioning there's 22 body parts mentioned in this whole song. Uh, Your lips are like a scarlet thread. Your mouth is lovely. Your cheeks are like the halves of a pomegranate behind your veil. Your neck is like the Tower of David built in rows of stone. On it hang a thousand shields, all of them shields of warriors. Your two breasts are like two fawns, twins of a gazelle that graze among the lilies. Until the day breeze and the shadows flee, I will go to the mountains of myrrh, to the hill of frankincense. You are altogether beautiful, my love. There is no flaw in you. Love sees no imperfections. Come with me from Lebanon, my bride. Come with me from Lebanon. Depart from the peak of Amana, from the peak of Sinar and Hermon, from the dens of lions, from the mountains of leopards. In other words, come from far away, come near and be safe. You have captivated my heart, my sister, my bride. You have captivated my heart with just one glance of your eyes, with one jewel of your necklace. How beautiful is your love, my sister, my bride. How much better is your love than wine, the fragrance of your oils than than any spice. Your lips drip nectar, my bride. Honey and milk are under your tongue. The fragrance of your garments is like the fragrance of Lebanon. A garden locked is my sister, my bride. A spring locked, a fountain sealed. Your shoots are an orchard of pomegranates with all choice fruits. Henna with lard, nard and saffron, calamus and cinnamon. All the trees of frankincense, myrrh and aloes with all choice spices. A garden fountain, a well of living water, and flowing streams from Lebanon. Awake, O north wind, and come, O south wind, blow upon my garden, let its spices flow. Let my beloved come to his garden and eat its choicest fruits. I came to my garden, my sister, my bride. I gathered my myrrh with my spice. I ate my honeycomb with my honey. I drank my wine with my milk. Eat, friends, drink, and be drunk with love. In the song... The woman back in chapter four says to her girlfriends, go ahead, go out and check out Solomon with his crowned head and his expensive chariot and his cadre of protectors. You go out and check out Solomon. But she, unmoved by his possessions and popularity, she will give herself freely. She will give herself freely to the man who admires her, who respects her, who humbly wins her, who notices her and does not manipulate her, she opens herself up to the man of her dreams. She says, come, come into my garden. You're welcomed here. You're invited here. And she welcomes into her life this man who is worth bringing home to mom. This man whom her peers would say, he's the man. The man who recognizes her for the treasure that she is the man who is recognized by others for the treasure that he is. We read this song, all of it. We've just read two chapters. We read the song and we say, this is love worth having. This is love worth celebrating. This is love that is mutually given, mutually shared, and mutually enjoyed. This is God's design and this is a glorious vision for love and romance. In chapter four, the man who is worthy, who has won the girl's heart, he is captivated by her whole body beauty and he compliments her accordingly from head to toe. And then with her permission, with her invitation, they together are free to enjoy the pleasures of love that they share between them. 
this relationship that is sung about in the song is radically different than the relationship that Solomon has with his women. This relationship is free. It's under a banner of love. It's secure. It's safe. It's incomparable. And it's a blessing to everyone. The parents and the friends agree. There is chemistry there. It made them notice one another. It drew them together. They got to know one another. They got to know one another as a person of character. And it results in commitment and conservation and celebration. This is God's design from the start. A relationship that is designed for harmony and unity and friendship and pleasure and procreation. We read this song and the song would be saying, don't miss this. Don't miss this. Don't go another way. Experience the goodness and the greatness and the glory of what God has created and given to humanity for its flourishing. This is the way, walk in it. All right, for those of you who are single this morning, and we have a significant number of singles, both in the first and second service. For those of you who are single this morning, I hope the message of the song is straightforward. There is a love worth having. There is a love worth noticing and pursuing. There is a love worth waiting for. There is a love that God has designed. Go his way. It is right and it is best. The shortcuts to going God's way ultimately become pitfalls. If you want to go another path, it might be immediately wonderful. But if you go another path, then what God has designed, it eventually becomes a train wreck. Go God's way. Don't miss God's way. His way is glorious. For those of you who are single and want this kind of relationship that you're reading about in the song, here's this woman and this man and she desires him and he desires her and there's this reciprocal praise and this buildup of knowing one another and character is known and there's ultimately leading to this great relationship. For those of you who are single and want this kind of relationship, let me give you a few things to consider this morning. Number one, make yourself attractive. God has made you beautiful. Be as beautiful as God has made you to be. There is no value in laziness toward your physical attractiveness. Don't make beauty an idol, but also don't undermine its relational relevance. Be the beautiful person that God has made you to be. Respect the body that he has given you. Second, put yourself in a place where you might be noticed by the right kind of people. Don't hang out with the popular Solomons. They're everywhere. People who build their lives on their popularity, their power, their possessions, who gain love through attraction and coercion and manipulation, hang out with the right kind of people. Hang out with people of good character. And if you can't find a person of good character, it's better to be without. I like what my grandfather said in this lane. It's better to want something you don't have than have something you don't want. And I think he's right. So if you're single and you want this kind of relationship that we're reading about in the song, well, make yourself attractive. Be as attractive as you can be. God has made you attractive. Be as attractive as you can be. And put yourself in a place where the right kind of people are gathering, people of good character. And then thirdly, and most importantly, pursue Jesus Christ. Give yourself wholly unto him. Give yourself freely and unreservedly to him and pursue him as he's revealed himself in his word 
as he has incorporated himself in his people, the church. Pursue him in that relationship that he has made available through his own sacrifice. Pursue Jesus Christ. Because if you're missing out on love and romance between a man and a woman, your missing out will be short-term and short-lived. And your gain of pursuing Jesus Christ will be eternal because the love and romance between a man and a woman points ultimately to a different relationship, the relationship that exists between Jesus and his bride. So pursue Jesus Christ. You won't miss out. Or what you are missing out will be short-term. Your gain will be eternal. Don't forfeit your soul on the immediate pleasures of immorality. Pursue Jesus Christ wholeheartedly. If you pursue him wholeheartedly, he'll put you in the right place where he can lead in your life in ways that are best for you. Trust in him. Commit your way unto him and go his way. And as you pursue Jesus Christ, you will find that he's also working in you, making you into the beautiful person he's created you to be, working in you that beautiful character that you desire to have. So for those of you who are single and you want to be in this kind of relationship, make yourself attractive. Put yourself in a place where you might be noticed by the right kind of people, people of good character, and pursue Jesus Christ. And don't waste your time looking around. Pursue Jesus. He can lead in your life. He can supply in your life what is right and good and best for you. Don't hesitate to do that. Now, for those of you who are married, who are probably a bigger audience for sure, both services, last week I had you remember what was initially attractive about your spouse. What was it that attracted you? What was it that got the fire started? What was, the, what was it that, that drew you to one another? And I, I was mentioning in the first service, it's rather interesting. I, I, I remember my first words to my wife, Lynn, and I remember her first words to me. It's plain as day. I said to her, I don't even know who you are. She said, I'm Lynn Howard. You'll know me by next week. I said, you're right, I will. I was 12 years old. And we were in Awana. <laughs> that was the start. I'm not going to go any further. I don't want to embarrass my wife. But um, what was it? What was it that caught your eye, caught your attention? Like, whoa, there's someone I want to spend some more time with. There's someone I want to get to know. What were, what were the initial things that got the fire started? Remember that and recommunicate it. I've been married 35 years. It's a long time ago. I think we would be blessed. I, th I think we would, some of you have said, you know, we tried to remember the things that initially attracted us to one another, and, and uh, the physical attraction is, is gone. It, it, it diminishes, right? You're not physically attractive as like you used to be. Well, your eyesight goes poor too. It's a double blessing. But what attracted you to your spouse to begin with drew you to them so that you could get to know them. What was the character they had that made the relationship go further? And then the good news is, character is an ongoing development. As you pursue Jesus Christ, he develops character in you. He keeps conforming you into his image, and you grow in character. So I'm encouraging you as a married couple, remember the chemistry. That's a lot of fun. Good to talk about. Recommunicate the compliments that you used to give. Remember the character. And then consider, reflect on how that character has developed over the years. And then communicate that and bless one another with that type of communication. I, you know, I, I love the verse in Hebrews that uh, says, for by a single offering, and that's referring to the offering of Jesus Christ, 
For by a single offering, God has perfected forever those who are being made holy. I love that verse. When I trusted in Jesus Christ, I was clothed with the righteousness of Jesus and made perfect in him. And he is making me perfect as I continue to trust him and walk with him. So by a single offering, namely the offering of Jesus Christ, he has perfected forever those who are being made holy. So reflect on, as husband and wife, reflect on the chemistry, reflect on the character and how that character has developed as you have done life together. And as you go through a number of trials as husbands and wives and your character is developed. So I think that would be wise to do. And then, then read together chapters five and six. <laughs> That's where we're going next week. Uh, chapter five and six, we're gonna focus on commitment. Chemistry makes people wanna be together. Being together lets you know the character that you're with. Remember back in the purity days? Remember the old book, I Kiss Dating Goodbye? What a disaster. I Kiss Dating Goodbye, what a disaster. That was horrible advice. Dating is where you get to be together and treat one another as brothers and sisters in Christ and get to know one another and get to know one another's character. How else are you going to do that? So chemistry has a purpose. It makes you want to be with the other person. As you're with the other person, you get to understand the character, who they are. And then that character, if a person of good character, ultimately leads toward commitment and covenant and consummation of that, which is celebrated because it's a blessing. So anyways, we're going to, we're going to uh, commitment next week. Let me, uh, let me close in prayer. Read chapters five and six uh, for next Sunday morning. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. It's so good. It's so practical. It's so needed in our lives. It gives us wisdom. It teaches us the right way. Father, we are grateful for it. We're thankful for this little book and for the lessons that we're learning from it. Continue to impress it upon our heart and mind and keep transforming us into your image. We are grateful that you complete the work that you began. Pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Before we go this morning, we are, are gonna spend a little time around the table and remembering Jesus Christ, partaking of the cup, partaking of the, of the bread. And, and, and to go there, before we go there, let me just comment something here very important. God is vastly different than we are. When God pursued us in love, we were not attractive and we were not people of good character. But God set his affection upon us when we were sinners. And while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So that what was the barrier between us and a relationship with God, Jesus himself has removed. So the message this morning, you know, as we're going through the Song of Solomon, you know, hey, chemistry is important and choose a person of right character and associate with them and be committed to them. God chose us and set his affection upon us when we weren't attractive and when we were not good people. And he gave us the Lord Jesus Christ who bore our sins away and did what was necessary to reconcile us together through his own death and resurrection. So we gather around the table and that's what we celebrate. We celebrate Jesus' body broken for us as he became sin for us on the cross. We celebrate his blood which was poured out which was a sufficient payment for our sin. We celebrate the fact that through faith in Jesus Christ we're joined to God in a vital union where we become his and he becomes ours and uh, never to be separated. And so if you have placed your faith in Jesus Christ, this table is for you and I to celebrate Jesus together. If you've not placed your faith in Jesus Christ, we would urge you to do so. He's your only hope and he's your only rescue. He's your only savior. So place your faith in Jesus Christ today. And if you've got questions about that, come and see us, but, but pass these by because partaking of these elements, you're saying out loud publicly, I identify with Jesus. 
And if you've not identified with Jesus, you would be lying to God. So I warn you there. But if you've placed your faith in Jesus and have been joined to him, come and partake of these together and we'll celebrate what God has done for us through Christ. Heavenly Father, we come to you in Jesus' name. We recognize and know that he is our great high priest and through him we draw near to you and we are accepted. He is our priest, he is our sacrifice, he is our offering, he's our rescuer, he's our savior. He fully and completely has dealt in his own body with our sin and through his death and resurrection he has guaranteed our resurrection and through faith in him we are united to you in a vital union that cannot be broken. So we thank you for the Lord Jesus Christ. We celebrate him as we partake of these elements and remember his body broken, remember his blood poured out, remember his powerful resurrection, and we look forward in faith to his glorious and blessed return as a bride waiting for a groom, longing for wedding day, longing for the marriage supper of the Lamb, longing for the the pleasures that will be ours at your right hand forevermore. So we're grateful for this table. We're grateful for the celebration and the reminder today. Bless now our continued fellowship with one another as your people. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen.